You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. Hey, just a quick announcement. Hopefully, most of you listening to this had listened to the March Mammal Madness with our special guest, Corbin Maxey, where Angie and I battled it out with with 16 mammals that we each selected. She selected eight. I selected eight. We tried to do a broad representation. I mean, there's some incredible species that didn't make it in there. I mean, the bonobo, the tiger, some of the bigger ones. but you know, we had to cover the honey badger, the leopard seal, Angie's favorite, the zebra, and the naked mole rat of, of, of all species. That one probably should have won. Sorry, Angie. Uh, but spoiler alert, if, if you didn't listen to that, please go back and, and listen to it because we talk about each species, their conservation, and their facts. But the spoiler alert is that the orca won. It, it was a tough one. I think African elephant should have been in the final, but you know, let us know on social media if, if you agree with me. But Orca was just so tough to beat. And as I said in the podcast, Orca was by far the best species I think we've covered in this podcast to date that really changed my mind on a lot of things, uh, opened me up to animals having culture, and the incredible behaviors and what they do for our world's oceans that I, I agree. I think they, they are the champions and, and they need to be. So we wanted to re-release uh, the two episodes we covered on them because they were that amazing and, and they blew us away so much with everything about them. So for the next two weeks, you are going to uh, get to listen to about orcas again. And then we're going to release a, a big interview upcoming with Secrets of the Elephants with National Geographic and Disney Plus's uh, director of photography, Bob Poole. We conducted that interview a few weeks ago. It, incredible, incredible 
oh, just an incredible story about his journey and covering these elephants that are that this documentary is coming out on Earth Day or a few days before Earth Day on National Geographic and then on Earth Day with Disney Plus. So look for that. But last thing, if you can do Angie and I a big favor, and we've been putting it in our show notes and dropping it on social media, but if you had not had a chance yet, can you go to www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave and the links at the top of our show notes and just take a quick survey. It's helping us kind of grow our podcast and where we want to take it. And it's a, a chance for you to give feedback about Angie and I and the All Creatures podcast. So if you can do that, we will appreciate it so much. And we really, really, really hope you enjoy this episode and the next two episodes on orcas. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. So many conservation heroes out there. People that are listening right now, you are a conservation hero. The scientists out on boats, conservation heroes. What can they teach us? So these orcas differ in size, appearance, prey preferences, foraging techniques, dialects, behavior, and social groups. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Okay, Angie, before we jump into it, because we want to get to it as quickly as we can, I, you know we've been debating this for the last couple of days, right? Like, just to let our listeners know, this was supposed to be a Patreon-only species, because in my bright idea a few weeks ago, I thought, oh, this would be cool and get people to subscribe to our Patreon, which we launched, uh, kind of relaunched last uh, month. You know, we have the cheetah episode out on there. We have our news segment out on there. And this was supposed to be the next species. But Angie, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't put this species behind a paywall. I can't do it. Yes. And luckily, my phone uh, noises are set to turn off at about 10, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night because Sorry. you were blowing me up. At, <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't, I didn't get him until this morning. And I'm like, whoa, <sighs> he was really like having some deep thoughts last night. I I can't do it in good conscience. I can't put this. All I can't put orcas. orcas. I can't or killer whales. I can't do it. I I mean as much as much as Angie and I, you know, we're this is a labor of love, especially for listeners that have been with us from the beginning or, or to our new listeners. Welcome. You know, we did this because it's we not love labor if you love it, Chris. Yes, I know. But I know. It is. Uh, it's time consuming. <laughs> very, very best. Yeah. This is my full time job. I mean, it's like a full time job and we want to make it our career. This is now our, our passion. This is what we love. This is what we want to do. We believe in it. We were just rated one of the top animal podcasts in the whole world. You know, mm -hmm. arguably the number one animal conservation podcast of that list. We're the, Absolutely, the top yes. one there. We are almost in the top 100 again in iTunes. We're getting very close. I think we were like 120. Yeah, that made me really happy to see that number, yeah. Chris. I yeah, that's when it, we're it, creeping in there. It got real for me then. I was like, wow, yeah. it's more yeah. than out just this, our moms listening. I know. Out of the <laughs> 700,000 podcasts, we're in one of the major categories, the top 100, almost there. 
So I talked to Angie about it and I was like, I can't, this, this is, this is too incredible of a species, just too radical. I don't know what adjectives to use to describe them. They are just too amazing. And so for our, that's a fun one we'll talk about today. Yes. yes. Uh, cultured another one. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, this has to go out to the, the general listenership. I promise to our Patreon subscribers, we have a, a backup species, which is just as amazing. Uh, we're going to record it and post it uh, the day after this one. So stay tuned for that. But for the general people, we felt you deserved to, to hear this episode because these animals deserve their story needs to be told period end of story. Yes. I, you, you didn't have to twist my wrist, wrist much at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this week it's orcas. It, it's, and this is going to be a two-parter. Angie and I are pretty sure this is going to be a two-parter because it's going to turn into two hours. Well, we'll, we'll try to behave ourselves, but I think this is the most slides I've prepared for any species so far. Yeah, and me too. Me too. <laughs> I, it's only, it was only due to a time limit and being busy with the boys today that I cut it, didn't make it even longer. So yeah. put your yeah. seatbelts on, folks. It's going to be a long, fun ride. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, <sighs> boy. You have to, you have to listen. You have to listen to this episode. You have to. This is going to be one of our best episodes. I already know it because I, I've known a lot about killer whales, but now or orcas, but now I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by the stuff I've learned about them. Just wow. As a scientist, I'm just, wow. I would love, uh, go back and get another PhD. Let's do it. <laughs> Chris, do it. it's so funny. I thought the same thing when I was looking for my conservation organization of the week. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's a good one. Stay tuned. It'll be, we'll talk about yeah. it more in part two, but you know, it's a good one when I, when I'm, when I'm seeing if they're hiring on their website, like, will they, will mm -hmm. they take a mm -hmm. equine physiology? <laughs> well, you did rhino, you did ungulate work. Yeah. So, and and, and I'm did, sure you'll yeah. get, I'm sure you'll get there in evolution. They were all probably kind of related, not too, too long yeah, ago, millions and millions of years. But yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it, they're incredible. The behavior is just, I was up, I think last night until midnight or one watching behavior videos of some of their hunting strategies and trying to start to wrap my little mind around that for, uh, and, and so I can share it with the audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's really incredible. And yeah, and I was very relatable. Study an hour ago. We just yeah. covered wild dogs, uh, not that long ago and talking yeah, a lot about the hunting strategies and how do they communicate. Mm -hmm. And thank you to our listeners that have reached out to us to try to put us in touch with some wild dog experts to help us answer some of the, these dying questions that we had about how right. do they communicate in this amazing way. There doesn't seem to be any signaling going on, but they're blocking and pushing and chasing and yeah. switching yeah. the lead dogs like Olympic bicycle uh, bicyclers. So, and a lot of that teamwork is seen in an orca pod and then their families. Ah, oh, Chris, the oh, family. I know. We're going to talk about grandma killer whale mm -hmm. and why she's so unique and so important about, we'll talk a lot about the grandma hypothesis when we get to behavior. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And, and some of their physiology. I mean, oh, yeah, some of their physiology. Incredible. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun uh, podcast. If you're and to be completely honest, you can be like me and learn why they're called killer whales and are they really even mm -hmm. whales? Really yeah. fun stuff at yeah. cocktail parties too. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for that answer. So Angie, I guess the first thing I, in learning this or in really diving into the literature and, and doing our, doing our normal routine, you know, or my normal routine when I prepare for a podcast. So I always go to IUCN, International Union for the Conservation of Nature, and I want to see what their status is. You know, what are they? Are they, are they critically endangered, endangered, vulnerable, threatened, or least concerned? And I was so surprised that they were da- data deficient. We this got is the one of the most D's. popular animals. Yeah. <laughs> the whales don't have double D's. But no, I know. It's, it's, a bad, it's a bad kind of double D. It's that when you, it's very rare at the IUCN. We love them. We love their work. Yes. Uh, I want to work for them as well. Yeah. Hire us, please, please, please. We'll, we'll mm. be awesome. But uh, yeah, no, it's really striking when that it's happened to us a few times, a couple species where they've got nothing. And that's not, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but yeah. the data is not, it's deficient. And then add them as a, yeah. as a group of scientists, a union of scientists mm-hmm. and nature experts, they don't feel comfortable putting a number out there. And I, I've got to respect mm-hmm. them for that, but it also led me to, it, 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 it led me. It, Speechless. It left you speechless. It left you speechless. <laughs> Edit that out. So but yes, it, that was yes. It left. No, I didn't know where. I didn't know where to go from there. Um, so, so here, here you go. So what it means? Okay, and the and the more you understand the orcas, the more it makes sense now after doing this uh, investigation, looking into them. So we'll get into that why they are difficult to assess. But basically, the IUCN defines data deficiency as quote. Insufficient information for a proper assessment of conservation status to be made. This does not necessarily indicate that the species has not been extensively studied, which these whales have, but it does indicate that little or no information is available on the abundance and distribution of the species. So, you know, in my mind, we know how many blue whales or estimates there are, things like that. These guys are a little bit tougher to study. Now, we will say... As we uncover in the podcast, there are certain pods that are critically threatened uh, yes. with extinction. They're, they're on their way. They're, they're dying. And we're going to cover that. And the big one is that everybody who pays attention to this or is in the news, the southern resident population. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And we'll be sharing some exciting news that happened yesterday out of that pod yeah. and talk about why there, is, why there is hope. Uh, so many conservation heroes out there. People that are listening right now, you are a conservation hero. The scientists out on boats, conservation heroes. The volunteers at the education centers, conservation heroes. So it it gives mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, hopefully, it'll be an uplifting pod today. I'm talking a lot about it. Yeah, for sure. A lot of hope out for there. For sure, for sure. I, I I just it's amazing. Like the the information's gonna blow you away. Like hopefully, like it blew blew us away. Now, it, a killer whale, I think, again, most people know what a killer whale looks like. It's pr- probably one of the most iconic animals out of the ocean, you know, black on top, white underneath, just some great white markings, you know, the bottom of their caudal fins white, but the top's black. Then they have like a, a saddle spot or patch on the white on, on I love the top, that it's called a really saddle cool. spot. Yeah, that makes me happy for me as an equine <laughs> physiologist, right? One. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, around they have an, a white eye patch and some white on their pectoral fins. Uh, 
you know, just a beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous animal. I think that's why people fall in love with them. Yeah, their pattern's iconic. Maybe some things, people seem to love panda bears, right? So something with that mm -hmm. black and white, very uniform, clean pattern just, it attracts us. And pandas are really cool. It is. <laughs> Too. Yeah, pandas are cool. Yeah. <laughs> and endangered. And they need our help as bamboo. well. Yeah, yikes. Yeah. Check out yeah, that episode yeah. if you haven't. You know, we've got a lot of pan good panda, panda stuff out there. Yeah, pretty fun, pretty fun. Now, males, and it's going to depend. We'll get there on the uh, the different pods or regions of the world. But the largest males can reach up to 32 feet long, weigh up to 11 tons. So that's almost 10 meters or 10,000 kilograms. Females a little bit smaller, what, 26 feet long, 8.5 meters, weigh, you know, 7,500 kilograms, or was that almost 8 tons? So, you know, big, I mean, they're big, but they're not blue whale big, but they're big, they're big. And, and that's obviously the largest that they've seen, you know, the averages are probably a little bit smaller than that, but you know, still pretty big. Now the, the male, their dorsal fin can be almost, you know, 1.8 meters or six feet tall. I'm like, what? Right. That's as that's, tall as me. Yeah. That's you. That's huge. I hadn't really put that in a size perspective until reading the numbers and really thinking about it. Yeah. And females a little bit smaller meter or three feet, three to four feet. So, you know, these are, these are big, big ocean going animals. Now the range, this is where it's, and it's going to get interesting once I get into evolution and the different species or subspecies or what they think the, the range, the oceanic range of orcas is pretty huge. You know, can I use my, coastal can I use my fancy Pacific? word yeah, now? <laughs> no. Yes, yes, yes. Use it. Use uh, it. A couple different uh, groups had described the killer whale range as the most cosmopolitan of all cetaceans. Oh, there you go. And may they might be the second most widely ranging mammal species on the planet after humans, of course. So they're but yeah, I mean, they're it's... found in virtually any marine yeah. ocean habitat. Of course, they prefer colder waters um, with higher marine productivity, mm -hmm. but oceans all over the world. Yeah. And, you know, some of the, the white spots I have are just kind of the central Pacific, but they go around the island. So obviously they migrate there. I think a lot of coastal regions and it's going to depend on what they eat, which again is going to depend on the subspecies or what they think are different subspecies. I mean, coastal New Zealand, Australia, Africa, Asia, South America, North America, and in between. Yes. Huge range. Right. A huge, huge range. range. And just, huge a, range. Uh, just a little formality as far as you mentioned they migrate. It's not researchers technically don't think that yeah. they migrate. Um, but like a lot of the other whales where people will go whale watching during certain seasons to watch their different migrations. I I've had the blessing of being on the big Island of Hawaii from a hotel room and seeing the whales migrate mm. the humpbacks migrating up North in the springtime up to their feeding grounds. Uh, killer whales, unlike other whales, that have these seasonal migration patterns, they tend to just go where their food source is. So when we talk about studying some of their behaviors, and of course, as Chris mentioned previously, the population, it's very difficult because they're not predictable or they're not as predictable mm -mm. as some of the mm -mm. other whale species. Right, right. I mean, like pretty soon, I think blue whales are going to be off my coast and I'm going. I'm going. Oh, I'm going to see a blue whale. Yes, yeah. and get... Get some video. Oh, and, I, and today's 
today, since we'll be talking so much behavior, now you'll know what all the different behaviors are called. At the, mm-hmm. by, by the end of this podcast, you should know the difference between <laughs> a uh, tail done. slap and a fin. <laughs> I'll be on the boat being like, and there's, there's the rostrum of yeah. that blue whale. You're totally going to be that like, guy. Yes, be that guy. With your clipboard, like the guy with the clipboard at the baseball game. <laughs> Yes, that's me. One of my buddies, one of my buddies does that. He like takes the old school sheet to the baseball game to mark innings and balls and hits and strikeouts and stuff. So that'll be you with your clipboard sheet to see if you can see all the different behaviors. I'm going to time between breaths and stuff. Okay. Now, how deep do you think they can go? Well, do you know blue whales? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll bore them. They'll throw me overboard. All right. Um, now why care about killer whales? I think, or orcas. A lot of people love these animals, period. Bottom line, around the world, these are one of the most beloved creatures I think we have on Earth. It's top five by far. By far, by far. You know, I still love elephants the most, but these guys are are kind of kind of inching out those rhinos and <laughs> well, species. I, I was just saying when you were texting me in the middle of the night, like, oh my gosh, orcas are amazing. We have to <laughs> make this public. Yeah. I, I'm like, well, uh oh, elephants, you better watch out. <laughs> Chris has got a They're new close. love. I know. I just I'm like elephants. I'm- he's cheating on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, oh gosh, I, oh, they're, they're just you amazing. Got, Chris, I mean, they, you have one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. Uh, you can love both elephants and orcas. Okay. So I have, a, I have an ocean species and a land species. Okay. Yes, I, that's <laughs> shout, shout out to my friend Warren, who's like the biggest octopus fan on earth. You know, we're going to have him on the pod here soon. He, uh, yeah, he's going to try to convert me, but I'm sorry. I mean, octopuses are cool, but these orcas are just, well, oh my goodness. Well, Chris, I will give a little bit. Of a spoiler alert for this podcast. Mentioning octopus, before we even do octopus, the little bit that I know about them, I think if the octopus had a vertebrae, they would rule the world. So that's a side (laughs) note for a different day. We're going to talk about that soon. Now, however, reading about killer whales and trying to even just grasp this past week, I need more time. You need more time. We need to read more books. That's quite Mm -hmm, clear. Talk mm -hmm. to more people, more specialists, things like that, Mm -hmm. experts. But- they're so amazing. And I had that mm-hmm. thought. I said, wow, if, if they had legs and they could take, like, yeah. crawl the ocean, they would win, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> I think they could take over the world. And my goodness, maybe they should. Yeah. Shoot, the state the world's in now. We could <laughs> stop we watching could use, the news. I know. Stop we could use an orca in charge. I know. I know. So, yeah, why care? I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, obviously, this is a top predator of the ocean, so just very critical to ocean health. You know, that that's the big thing. I mean, end of story, sure. that should be why. But, and, and after you go, I want to talk a little bit about the southern resident population, but the, the thing, like I said, that that's the reason I just, my jaw hit the ground uh, last night reading some of these behavior studies was evidence of culture. And that's going to probably be in part two, and you're going to want to hear this. That... Because you mentioned it a few pods ago, and I can't remember exactly what species it was, but we were talking, you're like, culture, and they think they might have culture, but that's such a different discussion for a different day. Well, that day is now, I think, <laughs> to an extent. I Touche. I love it. Good. Yes. I, yeah. So, I mean, why care? Why care about orcas? Because they're amazing. <laughs> they have amazing yeah, behavior. And yeah, you, you obviously touched on it that that is, we need to know more about them. Some of, and when I get on 
to part two, as far as some of their behavior and reproductive behavior, there's still a lot of holes missing because we need to study them more because they are, because they are somewhat elusive and we, there's still a lot that we don't know, but we do know is that they are an apex predator. They're amazing hunters. You're going to learn all about that. They, they literally have different hunting styles depending on if they're hunting fish, sea Mm -hmm. lions, narwhals. I will talk about narwhals in episode Mm. two. They hunt those guys. Uh, but they know what they need to do to survive and they are hanging on. They're dealing with our unhealthy oceans and our sound pollution and our overfishing. And, but it's our job now to help them. Right. To right. help them be safe, to help them have nutritious food and be in clean pollution free water. They deserve that. All the species of the ocean from the littlest coral to mm. the biggest whale. Yeah, but yeah. like you mentioned, unfortunately, not a lot of the fish or coral or even some of the whale species capture the, the populations and ignite such passion and passion discussions as much as orcas do. And, right. and if, if, if you were maybe a little bit like me before listening to this podcast, you just hadn't really, you're like, oh, they're cool, but you hadn't really thought a lot about them or what their numbers look like, their conservation issues, their phys- their incredible physiology and, and amazing behavior. Hopefully after today, you'll be like me and you, I'll, you'll be on the bandwagon looking, <laughs> looking for jobs yeah. on a boat next summer. <laughs> studying orcas yeah well, they, so and then yeah. of course, and then the, the the biggest the biggest goal i think that chris and i have for this podcast uh as, as much as we would love to monetize it with patreon uh and things like that so i don't have to work my four or five jobs depending on if you count cleaning horse stalls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which my husband does two bucks an uh, hour <laughs> oh no it's it's 10 so it's it's, it's all right 10 bucks okay, okay 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 um but is is that it's about sharing. It's about getting other people excited. It's about taking somebody who has no appreciation for orcas and giving them appreciation. It's like taking somebody like me that had a good amount of appreciation for orcas and is now a, or a huge fan or you, it's one of your mm-hmm. new loves. Like it's, it's yeah. rivaling elephants. So share this podcast and let people know. Uh, and we're going to give you a lot of websites and things like that where you can check out some of their cool behavior and learn more about them. And Chris, of course, will provide excellent show notes as he always does. So check those out. But yeah, we're going to get you if you if if we haven't already convinced you about why to care, stick with us. We'll get you there. Yeah, it's a, an amazing, amazing species. And, and they're in trouble. I mean, we know they're in trouble. Now, when I say that, you know, Julie's been reminding me to stay positive and there is a lot of good information out there. So that's why we love her. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> not all of it is bad news, folks. Don't it let is, Chris go dark. That's not a, <laughs> not going dark. Nobody wants that. I'm not going dark. We, we, we are conservation optimism. I love it. It trends on Instagram. I post it all the time. Conservation optimism. We're going to, we're going to clean the oceans. We're, and there's some cool stuff too. So wait for the end, but. Okay, so we're going to look at a, a microcosm of what this species is going through. So the most, I think, well-studied population is this southern resident population. And I'm going to get to what that means because it's in the Pacific Northwest. And to most of the planet, that's not south, but to Alaska, it is. So that's <laughs> yes. the southern resident population. They Now, I took some of this data from the Endangered Species Coalition website. 
There's going to be a ton of websites on this, these show notes, I promise you. So uh, the good news was in 2005, the, in the U.S., we, we covered them under the Endangered Species Act, which we need to uphold. So remind yourself, vote for environmental stuff. Anyways, that's a whole different topic. Vote green. Day. Vote with your dollar. Yes. Vote green. Yeah. But this is one of the most critically endangered marine mammals in the United States, this population. In 1995, they reached a peak of 98, 98 total animals. That has declined to 76, and now there's less than 30 breeding members. This is what's really sad. Of the six babies that were born in the, they call it quote-unquote baby boom years, in 2000, between 2014 and 2016, half have died. Yes, Not a single that is baby actually born. Just, and just to, in general, that is what they think it is for a lot of the populations. Right. Okay. About so it's average. That's normal. Rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. So we're not going to, we're just give facts. For my, for my understanding of the literature, if, if other orca experts out there, uh, we we're looking for some, uh, let us know if that's, if it's different with other populations, but I think, and from what we know from the little bit of research, right. but this Southern resident killer whale population, we do know a lot about because they've been tracked for decades. Right. Yeah. 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 By amazing scientists and, out of out of uh, California and Washington, state of Washington. Right. So there, there's three main reasons. Okay, that that there's a decline, and this one's what is concerning: noise pollution. So ocean-going vessels coming in and out of Puget Sound up there in Seattle and Vancouver, and then the Canadian government wanting to run the pipeline to Vancouver, so you get more oil and gas ships coming in and out of that part of the world. That is. A major concern for them. Then you have chemical pollution. So pollutants that we're dumping into the oceans, PCBs, other things that accumulate in the tissues of not only the orcas, but the things they eat. So that's messing up their physiology, immune system, endocrine system. So that all has effects on their health and well-being. So, and then it all leads up to a lack of food. There's just not a lot of food for them in that part of the world. So there is a, a big decline. Now, our friend Jonathan up there in the wilds of British Columbia, Angie, he wants us to do salmon. He I keeps think we have to, us now. to do salmon. <laughs> we do. Is he a Patreon? Maybe, maybe that's the next species I'll do for Patreon. <laughs> that poor guy, like he, he's, he's like, who's he, the old wilderness guy? You know, he lives in like just out in the wilderness. We'll do, we'll do salmon for you, um, not on Patreon, Jonathan. We he'll, love he'll you. He'll send we love you your work. Uh, yeah, Jonathan's awesome. He's out in the wilds of British Columbia. But he, you know, talking about salmon. So these whales, that is primarily their diet, Chinook salmon. It's more than 80% of their diet. So nutritional stress, Angie, you know this from, from reproduction and some of the work you did. When you're pregnant, oh, God, this this would turn into a five-hour podcast on this topic alone. <laughs> Especially if me, you know me because I did some of this work too. When... A woman's pregnant, she needs to eat and eat well. Not, you know, you, and we, you, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast. So anyways, long story short, if you're pregnant, please eat, have a healthy diet, take your vitamins, your prenatal vitamins, eat a healthy diet. If you don't, it, it, your offspring are going to suffer long-term health consequences when they're 40, 50, 60. It's proven science, whatever. So with the lack of salmon... Up there in that part of the world, there's a lot of stress on these females that are pregnant. So the calves mortality probably goes up or they're not getting pregnant. 
And a lot of this is like our good friend Corbin. I think he posted a picture today on the Snake River. So the Columbian River, the Snake River, some of these major rivers coming out of Oregon, Washington. And I'm not, I'm not so sure on, on British Columbia, but they're dammed up. So that's hugely influencing Chinook salmon where they can't spawn and you're getting less salmon in the oceans, things like that. So Jonathan, it's on our radar. I promise you. So that is a big problem is because of human activity, you're reducing the fish population, which in turn, the top predator, here we go, food webs are being negatively influenced. The other thing that makes me so sad about this story, but it's good news. I promise you, Julie, it's good news. Is it's coming, back in girl. The 60- it's coming. <laughs> back in the 60s, they used to shoot these whales, especially in, in the Pacific Northwest. Because they were so scared of them. Yes. They were, they were feared and they were competitors to fish. So they shot and killed them. And so in the sixties and seventies, you had a huge influence on that population. So you're talking when we get to culture and learning and behavior, all the older members of the pod being killed off and none of that information being passed on to the next generation. So it really wasn't until people started to fall in love with orcas did that activity cease. So now that it's illegal, it still happens, but it's illegal. Now here's some good news, right? Yes, there's actually great news for the J-Pod. And so just briefly, the Southern resident killer whale populations divided into the J-Pod, the K-Pod, and the L-Pod because they're different families. And we're going to talk a lot more about families and what, what the importance of that is as far as their communication, and hunting and longevity, things like that. But as Chris had mentioned, there hadn't been a calf, so a baby killer whale born since 2016. And so when you combine the J-Pod, K-Pod and L-Pod families together, there had been about 75 total whales, total. So 22 in the J-Pod, 18 in the K-Pod, 35 in the L-Pod. And there hadn't been any births in any of those pods of these Southern resident killer whales since 2016. And so, of course, that's making researchers like, what the heck is going Mm -hmm. on? And Mm -hmm. people are really looking into it. And there's been a lot more press, which is a good thing. But the amazing news is just a couple days ago, a new baby orca has been born to the J-Pod. And once again, this is one of the three critically endangered Southern resident pods. And super exciting because this is the second calf born in 2019. That's good. Yeah, it's so amazing. The other one was born to the L-Pod in January. So two since 2019. And it just gives me goosebumps thinking about about it. And now these now these calves, we do know that there's a high mortality rate. Uh, but so far, the calf that was born, uh, L-77, that was born in... Uh, January of 2019 seems to be doing okay. And mm-hmm. our fingers crossed for this new calf uh, born just days ago from the J pod, but really hopeful signs. And, but Chris will post some links to it on our show notes. So you can read all about it. If you haven't already heard the great news. Yeah, for sure. I will. Cause we do, we do need to spread the good news and there is good stuff. And I think with the press and with the public 
attention to it, you know, that hopefully they, they still get those protections and they can come up with some conservation plans. And I'm sure they are. I'm absolutely sure they are. Yes. Yeah. And just to really, just to get you excited, keep listening about orcas and potentially even to tune into part two is with these pods, the JKs and the L's, it's very centered around family. And just what's just blew my mind in general, as I'm learning more about about this and Chris, of course, we'll touch more about it. Each Southern resident pod uses a distinct dialects of calls or sounds. We're getting to there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk it's a lot insane. more about that. I know. It's so insane. It's uh, insane. Now, but interestingly, a couple of calls are shared between the three pods, like yelling at your neighbor, okay. maybe across the street, like, Hey, <laughs> pick up your garbage or Hey, yeah. it's, you know, free, free beer day down at the local, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know what they are, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and researchers, think that this is the only, that these calls are unlike any other calls used by other communities or pods. Yes. That is a big discussion in part two. That is a huge discussion in part two. Like what? That's crazy and awesome. And that's the stuff that I I was reading. And that's why I was like, there's no way I'm paywall in this episode. There's no way. There's no way this has to be told. This story has to be told. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello everyone, you may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. That is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, And was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MKUltra? Wait, what? (laughs) Anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. All right, so whale evolution you know, we covered this in narwhals a little bit. We covered this in blue whales. And just a little self-promotion is that if you haven't checked out narwhals, please do. It's actually one of our top downloaded podcasts. So people love it. So if you haven't listened to it, listen and let us know what you think. Yeah. And even, I mean, 70 pods ago, we did blue whales and that's still one of my favorites. Like just, that was an amazing species. Yeah. 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 Over a year ago. So, you know, the theory of cetacean basically evolves. Uh, they were related to the mesnokids. The thing is, the reason I love this ancient animal was it was a carnivorous ungulate. I don't know if you remember this. So I do. It was like wolves, wolves with hooves. <laughs> so, which kind of makes and, sense because killer whales are one of the. When I got to behavior, I was going to relate mm-hmm. that like wolves of the sea, wolves of the yeah, ocean. For sure, so it makes for sense. Sure. So this, you know, whales kind of evolved the subcontinent of India 50 million years ago. 30 million years ago, toothed whales and baleen whales separated out. 
Now, the obviously the baleen whales, that's the blue whales, the humpback. They're the filter feeders. And then you have the tooth whales, which is obviously the, the orcas. And then the narwhals, which we covered. You can think of sperm whales, which we'll cover at some point in the future. Now, the interesting thing about this is of the, the tooths. I mean, obviously you have dolphins, but then you have oceanic dolphins. So that is where orcas belong, which started forming about 11 million years ago. So they're actually a dolphin. I'm going to get to it here in a second. Then you have the narwhals beluga, which we covered, the porpoises. Then you have the river dolphins, the Chinese, the Amazon river dolphin, which was one of our very first episodes, and the La Plata dolphin. So the oceanic dolphins, you know, you have the false killer whale, the pilot whales, and then some of the other oceanic dolphin in the family, which is 35 species. Right. And it's the Delphinidae family. Huge. Mm -hmm. Huge. Yes. Now, do we have specifics on killer whales? No. Again, remember, evolution on an oceanic species is very difficult. We're not down there at the ocean floor and, you know, looking for fossils, which I don't even think really formed down there. So it's, they have to be on land. Um, but they do know that the most closest relative to orcas was about 250,000 years ago. So modern orcas have been around about that long. Okay. I wanted to get through that quickly because this is why we're going to be a two hour podcast. And that is the quote unquote. Well, let me actually jump in really quick. I'm just going to yeah. go into a little yeah, bit okay. more to answer my kind of precursor about, oh, okay, because I have a few differences okay. from yeah, yeah, yeah. whales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, to answer my question earlier in the podcast, the killer whale is not a whale. Liar. I don't believe you. Right? I know. It's crazy. They, like you said, they are a type of oceanic dolphin. And right. although their name, of course, has... Chris is going to touch on a little bit more why they're named killer whales and things like that. So to begin with, if you look at their physical makeup, just their appearance... They look more similar to a dolphin than they do a whale. Their head shape is more bulbous or beak-like, and they're more streamlined, and thus they're more aerodynamic with their movements, this compact kind of physique, if you will. And then size. Uh, we talked about that, yes, they are big, uh, with especially as Chris mentioned, them having a dorsal fin potentially up to six feet tall, mm -hmm. but... Compared to a whale, they're not that big. And so the orcas are definitely the largest of all the dolphin species. But yeah, compared to a blue whale, uh, it's not even close, right? No, no. The other physiology I know Chris is going to touch on a lot and here in a little bit, so I won't go too much into the weeds. But it's a good time to mention that orcas use echolocation in order to communicate with one another. It's like a biological sonar. And we'll go into the physiology of how they do that because it's just incredible and what it means, which is basically a biological sonar. It helps them navigate and communicate. It's pretty cool. And so we'll talk more about that. So yeah, I think if you take a second look at them and really compare features, it, it, start, it makes sense that they are they're in the dolphin family. It makes sense. Their name is just tricky, <laughs> right? So look at they're a whale. Anyways, moving on. No. 
<laughs> it is. You're right. You're right. Technically speaking, scientifically speaking, that's how we present information. Sure, sure. Well, they right. go by. Shoot. They go. Hey, go ahead. And, oh, they go by a lot of. Oh. I was gonna say, take off. Take. Oh. I was gonna say, take off your headphones, uh-huh. and then I'm just gonna say, Angie was right. Oh. I was really bad. Okay, moving on. I was really like, you I thought, were going to take your headphones yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, you were right. But, but, right, but we right. should name too that they're also, uh, they also have a lot of other names, including Orca. We mentioned Killer Whale, Blackfish, Grampus. That was a new one to me. Mm-hmm. And Killer. Just straight up okay. Killer. Killer. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it fits with what they do. So yeah, okay. Their scientific name is Orsinus Orca. So there you go. That's, that's how we'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll call them. Now, Angie, this is, again, one of the reasons I was just like, no way. We have to put this information out because there is a lot of emerging data in the last you know few decades since they've started studying this that there could be different species of orca. Now, right now they're saying subspecies. But when I go through some of this, they think there might be one pod or one type that is actually a different species. And I just was like, what? Like, you just think, okay, they're pods, they're family groups. No, no, they are totally different. And it's very complex. So let me just talk about, set it up like this. So they're, they call these ecotypes. So these orcas differ in size, appearance, prey preferences, foraging techniques, dialects, behavior, and social groups. Now, what's also interesting is their ranges do overlap, but they do not interbreed. They don't interact. They avoid each other like the plague. What? These different ecotypes. Yes. Drop the mic. Now, I'm out. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. It, it, th- this is, whoa, whoa. This is what really made my head spin. Now, Dr. Michael Biggs was the big uh, orca researcher in the Pardon 1970s. The pun. There you go. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> He's the father of modern orca research. And now today, it's probably mostly mothers out there that are doing most of the research, like Angie and, and all her friends. So you can, I'm going to kind of divide this up into the northern hemisphere and I the wish. southern hemisphere. I know. Yeah, I know. So we, we started off talking about the Southern resident orcas, and that's because there's a group or a potential subspecies called resident orcas. Okay. So there's the Northern, which is more near Alaska, and then the Southern, which can actually come down to California. But, you know, like we know that one pod that's up there in the Pacific Northwest. Now these are fish specialists. So they, their ranges aren't as big and they specialize in eating fish. So this is again where it gets really interesting. They're, these these don't they don't go hunt seals really. They don't look for other things. They might, but mostly, like I said, eighty percent of their diet is salmon. Now, the the northern resident they eat all sorts of type of fish, and like I said, the southern resident is like specifically chinook salmon. Northerns will eat halibut, cod, some of those other things. Some squid sometimes I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the the resident. Okay, and, and more coastal. Now, another ecotype named after Dr. Biggs is the Biggs orcas. Now, these are transient orcas, so they go deeper water. Now, these are mammal-eating orcas. So, they whales, probably your, or probably narwhales, but minke whales. Seals. Harbor seals. 
These these ones I've I did see this was a long time ago, like a decade plus ago. National Geographic had a bunch of photos of them hunting a blue whale in like it was really crazy when we get to hunting strategies, but you know, eating whales, they range again from Southern California up to the Arctic circle. I think these might be the ones that eat great white sharks. I'll, I'll get to that. Um, which is really cool. And I think it's really interesting with the transient is their saddle patch often has, um, a lot of black coloring. They have physiological you know? differences. Yeah. Or phenotypes like, just wait till you get to this one pod that that's that blow you away. Now, staying in the North Pacific, there is another third ecotype found, or a fourth, I guess, with the bigs, and that's called the offshore. And these ones are very elusive, so there's not a lot that they know about them. They they're very far from land. They even really don't even know what they eat. You know, their social structure, and they go from Southern California to the Bering Sea, so somewhere there in the Pacific. Now we're still in the northern hemisphere. So what is that? Four, right? Three and th a half. Okay, yeah. that's three. Well, the, three. The bigs okay, are three. a type of transient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. So we have the resident orcas, the bigs, then you have the offshore. So those are the three main ones in the Pacific. Now in the Atlantic, there's two types. There's North Atlantic type one, and these are smaller than that large size that we talked about. So again, the phenotype's different. They're generalists. They eat herring, mackerel, other things around Norway, Iceland, Scotland. Okay. And sometimes eat seals. They're just like a generalist feeder. The North Atlantic type two is primarily eats whales and dolphins. So again, a different phenotype. Their, their eye patches are different. So you have the North Atlantic type one, the North Atlantic type two. So one eats fish, the other eats mammals and whales. Okay. So that is five different types of orcas in the Northern Hemisphere. Now we go to the Southern Hemisphere and it just keeps going. So the type A is probably the largest ones in the Southern Hemisphere. These hunt minke whales. They go from Antarctica out. So they, they follow them everywhere. Very large. Type B also is large. These are the ones, Angie. Did you ever watch Frozen Planet? So there's a no, Frozen I Planet, Planet Earth. There's an amazing sequence of whales that they're chasing this crab eater around this little iceberg. And the crab eater is like fighting for its life. Crab eater seal. And it makes it. The seal makes it. They give up because it just keeps circling this small little like thing. It's crazy how they don't. I watched it, a video last night about uh, them going after a baby blue whale. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. but they uh, two hours, two hours trying yeah. to drown this uh, thing, and we'll we'll get the behaviors. Yeah. Make sure you stay tuned for part two episode. And um, it, yeah. they didn't. No, it, uh, the the mom that, that that mama whale was like uh uh, and um, came they, in. Yeah, yeah. She the the calf was fine, but yeah. Yeah, I wonder how they they that one that they must have gotten in the Pacific must have been sick or something. Anyways. What's cool about these, so Frozen Planet, you see them on, on some of these nature shows, especially out of the BBC. These are the ones that also do the cooperative wave washing hunting technique. Are you going to talk about that? Oh, my gosh, yes. Just I, Okay, I'll save it. Don't give it, it away. Save it. Don't give it away. I won't. But it is it's incredible. insane. That's the type Bs. Then you have the type B smalls. Did so they just get lazy workers. with like, first they had names, and then they went to type one, type two. Now they're just like, these screw ones, it. These, A, B, these C, ones D. Do, 
They have Gerlash, <laughs> which is uh, the Gerlash Strait of Antarctica. Okay. And so they actually have um, so we're we're type, we're type B point yeah. B point oh two point oh. Yeah, yeah. This is small type B. Small type B. Okay. So these ones eat penguins. Okay, I know people. It, we're getting there. We're almost towards the end. These also eat seals and penguins. Okay, type C. So now a different one. Again, they look different. They they eat different things. They don't interact. It's insane. These are Eastern Antarctica, off the Ross Seas. They eat fish. Okay, this is the one. Okay, is this, this the new is the one? one that just type D? The newest yes. one. Like well, they've been known in the headlines so a they, lot recently. Yeah, they just published a study on them that it has a different head shape. So yes, okay, so. Cool. Th- it was They've worth the wait. It was worth them. the wait then. Yes. <laughs> I'm just teasing. This is super fast. These ones are from like, these ones are so different. So they do, they have known about them because mm-hmm. there was a mass stranding in New Zealand in the fifties. And they were like, what the heck are these things? They do not look like normal orcas. They, you're right. They had the, the shorter dorsal fin, their heads are rounder, bulbous, their small eye patches, very unique, very unique. And there's, they're just very elusive. There's been very few sightings of them. Now, these ones eat fish and mainly fish specialists, but you're right. There was just an article on them, right, that they did study a group and looking at the uh, the physiology of them, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was in all the – it was in a lot of my news feeds. It was really – now I know yeah. my news feeds yeah. are super animal dorky, so – Maybe not everybody was getting that, but it was blowing up my newsfeed. Really cool. And I was going to, on conservation, news conservation for our Patreon listeners, it was, spoiler alert, it was going to be one of my, not Stories. new species, because it's not, it's technically yeah. not, it's all this yeah. rigmarole as you'd re- mentioned, but st- I mean, it's 2019 and we're still like, what are these? Where are these? How are they related? How are they so different? So it's pretty cool, exciting stuff because that's a that's a huge megafauna in the ocean to not know anything about, right? I know, I know. It's it. I was blown away. I was. That's okay. That's five in the southern hemisphere. That's five in the northern hemisphere, and they may split out even more. They don't know. Sure. They have to do the it, DNA and genetic testing. You bring up a very valid point. Exactly. Yeah. Like what else is out there that we don't know a lot about? And it's definitely, and you know, that's it, why it, if you don't care, that's why you should care. Like that is, I know that's why we have to save our oceans. And I, and orcas is of course an iconic kind of the panda bear, if you will, of why, why care about mm-hmm. marine animals or mammals. But man, there's, yeah, it's, there's still, it's, there's still a lot of uncharted territory and we can't let these guys go extinct without. No way. Learning about no them, way. for goodness no sake. No way. It, it's, it's, it, it's literally like human culture. And, and I know in, in part two, we'll get more into the culture debate. But, you know, you think about how we as a species have, you know, gone across the planet. And you have Europeans and Africans and Asians and then Australians. They're all weird down there. Just kidding. Not, and I'm not talking about the Aborigines. I'm talking about the Australians that got shipped over You better over be nice. England. They're one of our main supporters. <laughs> I love my Aussies. Are you kidding me? Oh, I love them so much. You know, me, me and my brother go back and forth because he lived there for a while. It, it just Australia, how they butchered the English language, blah, blah, blah. It's funny. Uh, we love our Aussies. We love them, love them, love them. 
Uh, and they, and trust me, Aussies can throw it right back at you. They are sharp <laughs> as a yeah. whip. They are, Absolutely. they are amazing. I love our Aussies. So, you know, it's just, but it, it really makes you think that these are different, not species. It's just, I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it with the culture. I just, my, my brain was blown away. That's why I was like, Oh my God, Angie texting you late last night. All right. So the largest whale, obviously, the largest animal ever to live on the face of the earth is da, 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 the, blue, the whale. blue whale. Yeah. yeah. So we, we covered that. Episode 26. Check it out. It was very fun. Uh, we were just hitting our groove groove then. Do you, so really, I was do, like, you, do you know these numbers by heart? Do you have them memorized or do you have to look it up? <laughs> I'm just wondering. I, You're making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I have, if you asked me what blue whale is, I would have no, I would say like not in the last couple months, but I would have no idea. So you just, you always, impress we did me. it. That's just your, your, your numbers guy. You, you always impress we, me. We, we do. Okay. So we did that one in March of 2018. I had been uh, living in New Zealand for a couple months and then we had an amazing interview with uh, Dr. Kim Getz that week and she's oh, from Niwa. Awesome yeah. interview. Yeah. And she, you know, please check it out if you have it. That was, that was amazing. She's tracking blue whales off New Zealand. She has her so dream that, job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go work on her boat. So yeah, that was, that was a fun, fun one to cover. So I had to go and look at the smallest whale ever. Can you guess how long it is? Ooh, stump the chump. Mm-hmm. Six feet. Uh, okay, nine feet. So whoa, that's better than I yeah, expected. Close. Yeah, yeah, almost three meters. I mean, I just totally or... pulled that one out of my, you know where. <laughs> two point seven meters total length, weighs up to six hundred pounds or two hundred seventy kilograms, and that is the dwarf sperm whale. Cool. Really cool looking, really unique looking. Uh, in the warmer tropical oceans, if this was here. You go. Here's another thing that will will make you drop the mic. We have to figure, we have to, again, another species we probably have to look at. When threatened, the dwarf sperm whale produces a dark red ink similar to octopus. Really? And it, it's from its body and it's used, they think, to disorient or blind attackers so it can escape. Like, what? <laughs> it's incredible. like pooping your pants. It literally poops its pants or something. I don't know. Maybe that's why we do it. So it's like, oh, you're stinky. We don't want to attack you. I yeah. don't know. Huh. But it, it, it ejects this red ink and, or, and it's just crazy, crazy physiology. All right. A few more things and we're going to wrap up part one. Um, because part two, if we don't have you excited for part two yet, then I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, just really, really quickly, the, so there is some controversy on how long these whales live and I'll tell you why. Okay. So, so what is known? Data deficient, the double D's. That <laughs> I agree with that. I think that's what it is. It is. But generally they think male killer whales live around 30 years, but can live up to 50 or 60 years old. Females usually live to be 50, but in some cases they've seen one that's 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is going back and forth. It's because it's based on one study produced starting in the 1970s out of the Pacific Northwest, our Southern resident population that they've been studying, Dr. Biggs and his group. So they've been able to age these whales 
But like I told you, where the study has some holes is that population was not hunted for, for meat or anything, but they were killed. They were killed off by shot and killed. So you have this group that you don't have probably some of the older members there. And then they're under a lot of credible stress, right? Which isn't, we all know stress is bad for aging. So this is the only study we have. And this study was published in 2006. So we don't have a lot of data and people are saying you need to go study some of these other transit. But I mean, how, how do you age a whale? I don't know. I don't don't know know either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really uh, difficult. There is ways, and I'm not going to get into the geeky science of it. It's basically with all the radiation in the atmosphere, we can measure that in cells and that can tell us an age of a cell. There you go. Angie's not even listening. <laughs> it's a geeky science. No, I love geeky science. I do. Do you? Okay, let me. Okay, sixty se- You and you and Julie, sixty seconds or less. This is a cool thing, and I looked into this, especially looking at aging oocytes. Te- telomeres. Because the answers, the answer is well, no, always no, either telomeres no, 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 or kispectin. No, 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 no. no, no <laughs> the answer is no, always no, kispectin. No, 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 no. Telomeres. You're right. Telomere length. This is. And we're going to, we're going to almost end it on this. And so people, if you want some and, cool and science. And for the record, Kiss Pectin is uh, Anna and I's inside joke about repro. It's yeah. a hormone. It's a. Everybody's looking everybody's at it. Everybody's studying, like, studying it. So in any, in any of, of my year, exams, yeah. I just, if you didn't know the answer, you put, put Kiss Pectin. And you, and you get it right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's how we can age cells. Okay. All right. Before this is really you have cool. My attention. Done this in- I was I was looking at my okay. dog sleeping, but now I'm 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 I'm, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. So listen, Angie. Let me let me tell you. Let me give you a teaching moment. <laughs> it's only because I wanted to do a study on this. All right. So what so what happened is before the nuclear age, there was no. Oh, is it carbon fourteen? It's it's one of the radioactive carbons, and I was looking at this like four or five years ago. Okay, so I think it's carbon-14. It's one of the radioactive carbons. Okay, after we started the nuclear age, started dropping nukes, you know, testing nukes and dumping all of this radiation and high levels of this radioactive carbon in the atmosphere was taken up by trees. So we can look at it in tree rings, right? So if you go back 100 years, you cut a tree, you can go and measure the amounts in tree rings. That's where they, they set up their baseline. Then they can go into human, well, they've done it in human tissues and I think some animal tissues and they can measure. So there's a radiation decay rate. You know that, right? So of course, half-life. It was, it was peak in like the fifties. Yeah. Whatever it was peaked in the fifties. And now it's been decaying ever since, since we've stopped nuclear testing. Thank goodness. So people that are say fit. Yeah. Say are 50 years old. They have say somebody that was born in 1950 have their cells took up that carbon, right? That's how we make cells. And so there's a a radiation signature in that cell as long as it's still alive. So certain brain cells are alive throughout your life, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can go and they looked at an aging cells throughout the body to see how long they lived based on that decay rate. So things like your intestinal wall, it's, it's lives about two weeks, but certain brain quickly skin, so certain uh, things in your brain are with you for life. Oh, here's a fun fact. Years. How yeah. long does an adipocyte, a fat cell, live? 
forever because I can't get rid of them. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. Uh, there's a reason it's so hard to get rid of them. Uh, they're about yeah. 10 years. So when you do lose okay. weight, you're actually not yeah. losing that fat cell. It's just shrinking down. It's, it's waiting for you okay. to eat that darn cupcake. Thanks. We're supposed to be positive on this. Oh, sorry. My, I forget. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. I, I, <laughs> but the, you make a good point. So there's adipocytes that we've had for 10 years. The, the radiation in that, that carbon. My, oh boy, is from if 10 my adipocytes could talk, <laughs> what they would tell you. <laughs> so we could theoretically get skin samples on some of these killer whales and actually do that radiation study and see how old they are. There you go. But it would Wait, cost but no, you can't because skin cells don't live that long. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> it was a bad. Okay. Never mind. Anyways, I went down that rabbit hole. Thank you for joining us for part one. We're going to come back and start part two. And you want to stay tuned because I still haven't answered why they got the name Killer Whale. And you have to listen about the culture. It is astounding. And so thank you for joining us. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, All Creatures Podcast. Please, please share this episode with friends. People that are doing that, we love you. It is helping us. Our numbers are starting to grow really quickly. We love you, we thank you, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for your time. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.